take any sort of experience that you can. There's so much that you can get out of being a leader. So just kind of be open-minded, but also make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Hola, amigos, and welcome to the Add to Houston Amigos podcast, a podcast for young professionals in the marketing and advertising industry who are learning to navigate their early careers. I am Guido Falconi, immediate past president of Add to Houston, joined today by my co-host. Hello, I'm Brittany Lemoyne, and I'm the public service chair at Add to Houston. Woo! And as always, our producer, Jacob D'Antone. Hello. He does, he does not have a mic today, but that's okay. He's here with all of us. Today, we have an amazing guest, Peter Iliopoulos, National Chair of Add to National. Peter, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is my second time on the podcast, so I'm super excited. Yes, you actually might be the first person to be here twice, although last time we did a short, a very short interview with you and the rest of the exec board. Yep, yep. Yeah. Last time I was uh, I was joined with guests, so excited to, to be back on here. Yeah, we're very excited to have you go a little more in depth into your journey, really. And yeah, I believe that was uh, mid-year retreat 2021. Yep, in Kansas City. Kansas City. Yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. That was a great time. I mean, the Astros lost the World Series that year, but you know, other than that, great trip. <laughs> great time. Yeah, it was it was our it was our first one back after COVID, so it was exciting to see everyone that year. Yeah, it was awesome. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Peter, one thing that we do with all of our guests is ask them a little bit about themselves and how they got involved with Ad2 and, you know, the American Advertising Federation. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, I'm happy to. So I live down in Tampa, Florida, and I'm originally from the Boston area, actually. So oh, I came down to, cool. to Tampa. Yeah, yeah. A very different uh, environment. So <laughs> growing up in mm -hmm. New England and then coming down to Florida, I came down here for college. and yeah. Um, you know, throughout, I studied advertising and PR and throughout kind of my college journey, I felt like I really didn't get myself out there enough. I had some internships my senior year, but once I graduated and I found a job, I started in account management and, you know, as an account coordinator, kind of entry level account management, I felt like there was more that I could be doing and hmm. more where I can just be challenging myself a little bit. So the president of Ad to Tampa Bay at the time, her name was Danielle. She reached out to me because she actually, this is getting a little into the weeds, but I interned for a past Ad to National Chair, Chris Solberg. Oh, yeah. And I believe it was, I believe it was his year as Ad to Tampa Bay past president. So he connected me with the current president and she was looking for people to join their public service team. And mm -hmm. I decided, yep, <laughs> Brittany, you know, I decided <laughs> yeah. to get involved. Start in public yeah. service, move in. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I started, I decided to do that. And then I kind of found my way just moving into different roles with Ad2 Tampa Bay over the course of four or five years. Um, and then eventually moved into the president role. And from there, um, that brought us right up to COVID. And then I oh, was yeah. approached to see if I had interest in joining the Ad2 National Board once my presidency in Tampa Bay was over. And that's kind of how I ended up here. Yeah, that's awesome. We hear a lot about, a lot of our guests say like, oh, I was working, but I didn't feel like I was getting involved enough in the industry. And that's kind of how they find Ad2 a lot of the time. And I feel like 90% of the people here have said, 
that they got involved through public service. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's how me and Brittany, yeah. And I think Jacob, too. So moving from um, having been the Tampa Bay president, um, then going to now a national chair, what led to your decision to join the national board? Because that's kind of like a different um, environment there. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I had always thought about, as I was moving around different roles in Tampa Bay, thought about potentially, you know, running to join the national board. Right. Um, and as I mentioned, when my presidency was ending, so that must have been around June or July of 2020, that was right, you know, in the thick of COVID. And actually in March leading up to that, um, Katie Dirks, who was the incoming national chair, she had reached out to me and was just trying to field my interest to see if I would maybe be interested in running for the national board. And I think with everything kind of happening in the world, I was, before I talked to her, I had decided I'm going to take a little bit of a break of mm -hmm. a year from AF and Ad 2 just because I had put mm -hmm. so much into it. Felt like I needed, you know, just some time to myself. But then I spoke to Katie and I thought about it more and I realized I was kind of at this point where I had gotten, I think, everything I needed to get out of Ad 2 um, in terms <laughs> of the professional development. But mm -hmm. I realized I kind of wanted to start taking my career to the next level and get more leadership experience under my belt um, and realize like, oh, you know, I still have this many years in that too. I think this is a really good opportunity for me now to sort of give back what I've learned and then also hone in on my leadership skills while I was doing that. So that's kind of how I decided. And I also didn't know how long this global pandemic was going to last. Um, when I first spoke to Katie, it was only, you know, that was when everyone was like, oh, stay at home for two weeks and then we'll figure out what's going on. Um, and then when right. I kind of realized, yeah, I started to realize, oh, this might be a little bit longer. Decided, why don't we just jump for it? I'll probably be at home with not much to do. Anyway, so I think this will be good. A good opportunity for Might me. as well find yeah. a new hobby. Yep. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, that that's awesome. Yeah, that's you picked quite a time to join the national chair or the mm -hmm. national exec board. Let let's look at this for a second, right? So it's twenty twenty. I assume they reached out to you early, right? Like in maybe January when things are still we still don't know what's going on and they say, Hey, do you wanna join? And you you think about it, you decide that you wanna do it. Uh obviously you don't become chair right away, right? You you have to go through like vice chair, like um is it secretary now in vice chair? Yeah, it's, right? you, it's sort of a succession plan laid yeah. out where, like, in the past, there were four roles on the exec board, um, a secretary, a treasurer, a yeah. vice chair, and a chair. And then um, I don't remember when, but it was briefly, I think it was right before I joined uh, the board, like a year or two oh, before, yes, that's right. um, the team had decided to cut it down to three. So now what it is is, second vice chair, um, vice chair, and then chair. So I joined the board as second vice chair yeah, and um, then moved into vice chair last year. And now I'm almost or over halfway through my chair year. Yeah. So you have like about three years to kind of see the process. So, you know, as you embark in this journey, you know, in the middle of COVID, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the world's going to look like, right? Uh, what were your goals or what goals do you have that you wanted to accomplish? Either before you became chair, national chair or by the time you left the national chair position? Yeah, I I think when I stepped into the 
second vice chair role, I really I had a more of a personal goal just to learn all the inner workings of how mm-hmm. Ad Two National works, how we you know work with AAF National, um, and kind of all the structure there. And and I feel like that was that first year was a really good learning experience to the point where once I stepped into this role, you know, this year as chair, my goal at the end of the day was, of course, we had more we had some like smart goals in terms of things with members attached to them and things like that. Um, but as kind of more of like an altruistic high in the sky goal, I just wanted to make sure that we as a national executive board were doing whatever we could to make it as easy as possible for the local club leaders. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of people step into a presidency in their local club and it's very stressful and sometimes, you know, it's not fun anymore. Um, and what I always like to tell people is at the end of the day, we're all volunteers and we're here for a reason. We're passionate. We care about the organization and the industry. Um, so it shouldn't be a source of stress. Um, so that was the goal for the team this year was just make it as fun as possible and, and remember why we're all here. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's great. a good goal. I think yeah, it's a fantastic like enjoying goal. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we definitely, you know, as a past president, I definitely saw that because I actually think I became president like July of 2020. So yay me, but there was a lot of communication from the national exec board, right? Uh, to the local level, uh, while everything was happening. And that was great because it kind of helped us, it, it helped us get through it, but also it helped us know that, Hey, someone has your back. So I definitely think you guys did a fantastic job during the uh, the end of the world, as it were. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, for that sure. was that, that was a learning year for sure. I think everybody's world kind of got flipped upside down. But you know, what's interesting is even now, where most things have returned to normal, um, and last year where they were kind of in the middle, yeah. um, we've had to kind of relearn and reeducate <laughs> on how we run things and you know how to be a successful club because the world just changed. Yeah. Um, even though COVID's kind of, you know, not a big issue anymore, obviously people are still getting it, but the world is not shut down. We almost forgot like how we ran things, you know, prior to COVID. So it was kind of a lot of re setting up processes, figuring out like what Mm -hmm. the world and what our industry looks like today and, and helping our leaders through that. Absolutely. So moving into your, um, career, you were recently promoted to senior program strategy with Acceleration Partners. Could you tell talk a bit about what that role entails? Yeah, absolutely. So I work at an, uh, an agency called Acceleration Partners, like you said. Um, and what mm-hmm. we do is we we basically uh, it's it's on the grand scheme of things partnership marketing. Um, so that's connecting brands with digital publications and digital partners to promote, you know, whatever it is they have, whether it's a product or service and getting consumers to um, sign up or purchase from them. So what my role as a program, a senior program strategist is, is to basically consult with brands um, around the world and kind of talk to them about what their digital partnership marketing strategy looks like. And then through that consultation, you know, eventually bringing them on as a client to our agency. So um, it, it's kind of like a hybrid role where it's a lot of strategy and consulting. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, my goal is obtain new business and get new business into the agency. Right. That's very interesting because, you know, looking at your career, right, at your experience, you work for the Penny Hoarder, which is a financial publication. 
and now you work with acceleration partners who connect um, connect brands to different publications, right? So you're not working with just one client now, right? You're working with different clients and connected with different uh, products. So can you tell? Can you talk a little bit about the difference between you know working directly with the publication and then working, you know, as a, a with partners, right? Working in an agency environment, so to speak. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting because what I do now is sort of kind of like the middleman. We are almost like the middleman between my previous world and sort of like a, a brand or an advertiser. Um, so mm-hmm. when I was at the Penny Hoarder, we had a lot of different uh, companies that we would promote through our articles and content that we would publish on our website. And they would basically pay us to drive actions for them. Whereas now, where I'm at an agency, we are kind of the middleman where we have the clients who are the advertisers, more the brands, and then we reach out to publishers like the Penny Hoarder and try to get our clients promoted on their website. So it's very much similar in a sense, but also very much different. When I was at the publisher, you know, things moved very quickly. We were constantly talking about content and articles and things like that, but it wasn't as much like client focused, um, even though my job was to manage, you know, the the advertisers that we featured on our website, it just wasn't as much of like that client service focus. Um, But when I moved to Acceleration Partners, the big difference there was I actually started on our account management team. And my whole job was, you know, making clients happy. So I got to see both sides of that. Yeah, the account management, I've always felt like it's kind of a double-edged sword because sometimes, you you know, you want to get, you want to keep the client happy, but you also don't, you know, you can't promise them the world, right? A lot of times. It is, it is being in that middleman position of like, I have to play both sides. And um, that is kind of interesting. Yeah. It's a very people role dealing with these people and with the relationship. Can you talk a bit about how you do that, how you make the customer happy while also looking out for the agency when you were in account management? Yeah, I'm definitely. I think my the thing that I've found works best, um, and it's interesting because I did a lot of account management for, like for most of my career, probably eight or nine years. Um, and then when mm-hmm. I moved into sales, I think this is really when it clicked, and I think this is applicable mm-hmm. to both if you're doing new business development or if you're managing clients that already exist. Is honesty is the best policy, and mm-hmm. there's a reason mm-hmm. why clients hired you at the end of the day, and Mm-hmm. Um, you know, while you have to respect their wishes and make sure that you're managing the relationship in the right way to not offend anyone or get anyone upset. Um, what I found is just being a consultant and being honest and open and giving your true recommendations is going to get you much farther than whether it be lying or just being a yes man to the client. Mm-hmm. Cause like you could tell them all day long. Yeah, sure. We'll do whatever you want, but and if their business suffers, it's like, well, you should have honestly given the better recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think is what and, it comes down to, right? Yep. And what I found, too, is yeah. like leaning in, into your expertise is really key. So when I managed accounts and now even when I'm working with, you know, prospects who might become a client, um, what I found is like just showing them that you can prove what you're saying usually goes a long way. So if I'm telling a client like, hey, X, Y, and Z is going to be your best strategy to move forward with. I also like to back it up with, we've done it with this client and this client who, you know, have Mm -hmm. the same target audience and goals as you. 
and it's worked well for them. And then usually that's when it clicks and they start to trust you a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. Metrics. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, you can say all the nice words and anything you want to a client, but in the end, they want metrics, right? They want to hit their KPIs and they want to see that your plan makes sense. You know, I, I'm not an account manager, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, but I can only imagine that the the balance that you have to walk on, right? Because you're working, you have your, your job, your your company that you want to look out for. But you also want to make sure that this client doesn't get upset at, like, maybe some of the processes that you guys have, they're not a fan of, right? So they're like, oh... <laughs> finding that middle ground, I can ima I can only imagine how difficult that is. Yep, yep. I always like to say to our, our you know, potential clients when I'm discussing bringing them on, is like we are going to act as an extension of your marketing team. And, you know, if you're going to be investing in an agency of any kind, whether it's what we do at Acceleration Partners or if it's a more traditional media agency or if it's a creative agency, like these people that you are, you know, hiring on as your agency are going to be an extension of your team, right? So we'll have your best interest at heart because um, at the end of the day, you're also paying our our bills. <laughs> yeah. um, so we want to make sure yeah. that we have a good relationship with you, but we're not going to yeah. lead you down the wrong path. Yeah, and it's like we're in this together. So in the end of the day, like... It's very symbiotic. For yep. sure. You actually mentioned this earlier that... You wanted to gain more leadership skills, experience with ATU, and that's kind of why you decided to join the national board. So how would you say that experience that you gained, you know, at the local level and obviously at the national level has helped you develop in your professional journey, your professional career? Yeah, I think really at the end of the day, what it's done for me is just give me some confidence in my uh -huh. leadership skills um, and realizing that. There is no one-size-fits-all leader. I think really it actually wasn't until I moved on to the national board that I realized it um, because, you know, if you look at the <laughs> the chain of succession of past Add to National yeah. chairs who came before me, I started working as the second vice chair when Katie Dirks out of D.C. was um, the chair. And then when I moved into my vice chair role, it was uh, Tina Sang. Yeah. out of Dallas and now Houston, um, who was the chair. And both of those leaders are extremely type A. They're kind of just like the, the get stuff done kind of leaders. They're very organized. You know, they have a very clear vision. And something that I've always kind of tried to, or at least I thought I struggled with, is that's just not the type of person I am. I'm much more kind of work on the fly, figure things out as you go. Um, and a lot of the times I just thought, you know, especially when I was younger, that made me a bad leader. And what I've realized kind of stepping into the chair role this year is I've learned a lot from both Tina and Katie um, and watching how they led the team. And there were a lot of things that I pulled into and used into my processes, but that still at the end of the day doesn't have to change the way that I like to lead a team. That was just a really eye-opening thing for me to see and still be able to learn from these amazing leaders, but put my own twist on it. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I I very much identify with you and being more of a leader. That, uh, you know, you'll get things done, but sometimes you like things to be a little more fluid, and yep. that's just the way that I work. Right? That's the way I do my job. That's the way I do my writing when I have to do copywriting or when I'm designing something. So one of the last things that we kind of like do in our podcast is give some advice to the listeners 
Um, and you've kind of um, taken some roles that are in the advertising world that aren't, like, typically people think of advertising and they think of the flashy ads, the creative side. Um, so but you can give some advice to maybe people that want to enter the account management or the strategy side of advertising. I, I would say get as much experience or shadowing or whatever you can under your belt. Um, I have a funny story as to why I just decided to go into the account management world immediately after college. And that was a professor that I had. And this was really, I wish that I didn't listen to him, but he <laughs> told my class and I will, I will preface. He was very uh, old school in the sense that he had been in the advertising industry for decades and decades and oh. worked at right. in the 70s and the 80s. And he told our class, if you want to make a lot of money, go into the account side. If you don't, go on to creative. And I was just a 21-year-old who said, yeah, money sounds good. Um, <laughs> and that's why I ended up in account. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah right. with really not a ton of experience. And then I got into it and I realized um, <laughs> entry-level <laughs> account management, there really isn't a ton of money here. I, I think I learned the lesson the hard way. Um, and I wish that maybe I had taken some creative internships or taken more, you know, graphic design classes or copywriting classes and things like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't regret any of it because it's gotten me into the sales role that I'm in now. And I've for the first time in 10 years, really found a role that I'm super passionate about and really um, challenges me, but I, I still enjoy doing. Awesome. The mm -hmm. benefits of account management, I think, is the people skills that you're going to gain. And no matter what position or industry or sector you end up in, there is nothing like being able to have those people skills to talk through. You know, I get on the on the phone every day with chief marketing officers, with chief growth officers, sometimes the CEOs, and just being able to have kind of that experience lets me do it confidently and, and not feel like I can't kind of talk the business speak. So I see I see benefits to both sides, but really my advice at the end of the day would be try as much out as you can before you really step into the workforce um, so that way you know. But at the end of the day, it's never too late to change. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic advice. <laughs> You know, I work in conference marketing, and the main reason I do it is because after college, the first job that I had, they kind of put me in, like, experiential events, like management. And I kind of realized that I was good at it, so I just kept doing it. Um, but, you know, I never really tried, like, the account management side, and I do copywriting as a, as a freelancer sometimes. But the best, you know, I'm plugging the club a little bit here, too, of course, but one of the best ways to get some of that experience is through Ad2. I mean, we offer a lot of ways for our members to try different sides of the industry within the club, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's part of the reason why the first public service position that I took, like, kind of opened my eyes to so much else out there. If you join Ad2, say you join a public service board, you have an opportunity there to do real work, whether it's account management, whether it's media planning, whether it's graphic design, whether it's copywriting. But then, of course, across the rest of the Ad2 board, you can get into event planning. You can get into um, fundraising and do sponsorships. There's, there's just so much opportunity for you to learn um, without having to go out and find a whole new job. Right. And try something that is not what you typically do in your role and give it a shot. So that's exactly. really nice about it. Mm -hmm. So you had this story about your professor in college. I had a professor in college 
who would always tell us that it's in this industry, right? Advertising slash marketing. It's not necessarily who you know. It's more about who knows you. That's the crucial part, right? So because the people who knows you is going to offer you the jobs, the opportunities, the projects, et cetera. So how can, in your experience, how can young professionals, you know, get seen in the industry? Yeah, I mean, first plug, join Ad2. <laughs> like, yeah, um, there you go. Even if, even if it's not Ad2, maybe you don't have an Ad2 in your market, look and see if there's an AAF chapter there. Um, but even even outside of that, if you're interested in PR, like there's amazing organizations that, that um, you can join and learn more about, like PRSSA and yeah. things like that. So join some sort of community that is going to help you meet more people, help your name get out there, but also help you learn at the same time. And then specifically for people who are maybe pre-workforce, like still kind of feeling things out, maybe they're still in school, find a mentor. And I know it's cliche, but that really is what jump-started my career. My senior year of um, college, I found a, I had a class, my capstone class for my degree with this professor, Lisa Brock in Tampa. And she owns her own PR firm down here. She had so many, con- like I've never met someone who knows more people than she does, at least <laughs> in the Tampa Bay area and really around the world. But she was kind of the one to take me under her wing. She got me a job interview when I was still, you know, in her class at the end of my senior year. And I ended up taking that job. And then even since then, if I've had careers, career ups and downs, like she's one of the first people that I call, we grab coffee and she helps me work through it. And she always is willing to kind of connect me with people in her network and even vice versa now where if we're hiring at my agency i reach out to her network and see like hey does anyone want a role or a job so definitely finding some sort of industry mentor is going to help people know you more to your point earlier guido yeah no that's amazing yeah um like you said it sounds cliche but having a mentor even if it's just someone who can kind of just listen to what's going on in your career and who probably has some advice based on what they went through. That goes just an incredibly long way. So now for our Ad2 members, what words of advice do you have for anyone that's thinking about joining the exec board? My words of advice would be think about it, make sure it's something that you want to put your time into, but also make sure it's something that you can get something out of. Um, If your head's not in it, it makes it a lot more difficult. But on the flip side, I would say take any sort of experience that you can. Um, There's so much that you can get out of being a leader, really on any sort of level or aspect of the AAF, Um, whether it's being on the exec board of your local chapter, whether it's joining the national exec board, kind of take it all in um, because you never know what you're going to learn about yourself, who you're going to learn, what sort of conferences or travel opportunities you're going to get out of it. So just kind of be open-minded, but also make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Like what you put into it, you're going to get out of it. So make sure you, <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. It's equivalent exactly. exchange for all of our Full Metal Alchemist fans. Um, but no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm very excited to see who is going to join the board next i know ariana's coming in as the pre about uh, the chair and erica will move into vice chair so you know it it's 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 a very competent very powerful team already right so 
it's not like whoever joins is just going to be on their own. These people have just a, a lot of experience with the club in many levels. And, you know, they're never going to say no to you if you need some help. Sounds good. Thanks, and I'm sure everybody. Peter will still be around. Yeah, I, I still have a immediate past share <laughs> role right. to fulfill, which, um, you know, but I will say that absolutely. If anyone's who is a current president or has been a president before is interested in joining the national board and they're listening to this podcast, I will say even me as the leader of the team, I learned something from Ariana and Erica every single meeting that we have. And to my point earlier about there being different leadership and different working styles, even though they're in the vice chair and the second vice chair role, I still get their opinion on everything that we do. We run things by each other. It's a very collaborative team. And whoever's going to be stepping into it next year, I can 100% guarantee that you have probably some of the best leaders you will ever work with um, kind of behind behind you. So I'm really excited to see who it's going to be. And hopefully we have some nice friendly competition and <laughs> have a few folks running against each other um, at AdMerica. Yes, absolutely. Well, um, Peter, that's all the questions that we had for you. Thank you so much for joining us. I know that you're busy this weekend. I believe you are heading to Vegas tomorrow. If I if I saw that correctly on your LinkedIn, I'm actually heading to Miami tomorrow. Oh, we're we're going opposite direction. Yeah, we're literally yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll probably pass each other in the air. I'll keep an eye out for yep. you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got to yeah, have fun in Miami. Absolutely. Yeah, I have a I have a window seat, so I'll I'll be looking. See if I can spot you in the air. Wave wave from one airplane yeah. to the other. How cool would that be? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're we're literally heading up, and you know what? It's been cold this week here in Houston, so I look forward to the uh, warm January Florida weather. It's gonna be great. Yep, enjoy it. Oh, enjoy it. I, I am will, so um, excited. I will uh, think of you from Vegas. I, I haven't been do. to Vegas in a while, but <laughs> um, but it looks like it's colder there than it is here. Oh so no, I'm actually excited about that. Oh, I, yeah. I don't mind when I get a nice break from the Florida weather. Yeah, I mean, you're from Boston. You're used to it being like below zero. You're used to the cold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He didn't, you know, he didn't see summer until he was a man. They don't have those <laughs> out there. But yeah, so thank you so much, Peter. This has been just so much fun. Thank you for being here again. I'm glad that we were able to have a more in-depth conversation with you. Um, and of course, you know, I hope I get to see you at one of the events soon. Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys inviting me onto the, the podcast. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll see some of you at AdMerica in St. Louis this coming June. Oh, yeah. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully so. And again, you know, thank you so much mm -hmm. for joining. Thank you so much for your time. And thanks for all the great work you guys are doing at the exec board. I mean, I know it's not, Absolutely. it can't possibly be easy to handle all, I think, what is it, like 17, 20 clubs or something like that? that we yeah, have? We're, we're at 19 now with Ooh, the addition of uh, Fort Worth. Fort Worth, that's right. And we did talk to um, Madison a few episodes ago, too. Yep. Yeah, so that was also very exciting. Again, thank you so much, and we'll yeah. talk to you soon. Hey, before we go, don't forget to check out this year's American Advertising Awards presented by the American Advertising Federation of Houston. The awards celebrate the best of the best in our industry. And when you take home an Addy, much like an Oscar, it is something to celebrate. For more information on the awards and how to register for the gala, go to aaf-houston.net. Can't wait to see you there. Thank you for joining us today. 
The Add to Houston Amigos podcast is produced at Radio Lounge. Add to Houston is a collaborative collective of young communication professionals aged 32 and under who are looking to make a difference in the industry. If you would like to become an amigo, join us at addthenumber2houston.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at addthenumber2houston. Thank you for listening.